0: What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. Today's guest is Coach Bradley McKee. Brad is the owner of Velocity Barbell with his wife, Chelsea, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He is a client of our ProPath product, which means all of the coaches in his business are enrolled in our ALP, Active Life Professional, credential, and he is bridging the gap between fitness and healthcare. The reason why I wanted to have Brad on the show today is simple. I want you to hear the caliber of gym owners who we have the privilege of working with at Active Life. I want you to decide if that's the kind of gym owner you want to surround yourself with. I want you to decide if that's the kind of gym owner you want to be. The beautiful thing about our opportunity to work with Brad And dozens of other gym owners like him Is that he doesn't need us We didn't rescue Brad's gym He wants us He believes his ownership of his business Is enriched by his relationship with us He believes that we deliver more Than what he pays us to deliver When you're listening to this episode, I want you to be asking yourself whether you want the same or not. In this show, you're going to listen to Brad talk about how he took his rates from as low as $140 per month per member to over $420 per month per member and has the same number of members in the gym. That means revenue's up, in case you weren't clear on it how he was able to start to thin the herd of the members he had in his gym from the kind of people who wanted fitness entertainment to the kind of people who wanted life-changing coaching. And you're going to hear how he navigates all of that with his wife by his side because they work in the gym together, they live together, they're married. You're really going to enjoy this episode if you are somebody who enjoys the business side of fitness. It's a great episode. I really enjoyed interviewing Brett. Before I get you to it, I want to ask you one thing. We don't advertise this podcast and we want it to continue growing. It's grown substantially over the years, which has been really exciting. To incentivize you to help us grow it, please go ahead and leave a review wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or wherever. Leave a rating, leave a review, take a screenshot of the rating or review that you left and DM it to me at Dr. Sean Pastooch on Instagram. Every week I am going to choose my favorite review for a 15-minute coaching call, absolutely free, whether you were a client of ours or not, no sales pitch. Leave the review. Shoot me the DM with the screenshot of it. I'm looking forward to seeing them. I'm looking forward to talking to you about your problems and helping you solve them in real time. Let's get to the show. Brad McKee, welcome to the Active Light Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited to have you, man. Stoked to be here. You were uh you know this already. I don't need to tell you anything new, but you were one of the guys who I was following on Facebook. I thought your copywriting was excellent. I thought that what you were doing in your gym for your members looked excellent. You seemed like a really deliberate guy who I really wanted to bring into the active life ecosystem.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: uh, it took a long time and I'm glad that we've been working together now since you enrolled, because having you in our world is a, is a privilege to have as, as the kind of client we want to be working with. So thank, thank you. you. I it. appreciate that. My pleasure. Uh, The reason I say that, by the way, so everyone can know before we get to questions for you is because what I find uniquely valuable about you is once you say yes to anything, you're doing the thing. Mm -hmm. You don't make it easy to get a yes for anything, including even now with, with the way that your business works. And when I say don't make it easy... I want to be clear. That doesn't mean you're a difficult client for people listening. It means, it means Brad wants to understand everything about what it is that we're asking him to do so that he can do it with a hundred percent of his intention. And I find that to be a very valuable thing. Cause once you say yes to something, we know it's going to get done. It's going to get done well. Mm-hmm. So I want to start going back in time a little bit. Your background is actually in formal sales.
1: Yes. Correct. Yes.
0: Take us from the day that you got your tie cut to the day that you decided, I'm not going to do sales anymore.
1: <laughs> um, well, I took a role in sales um, after college. I graduated a degree in biology and a minor in chem. So obvious and, sales. Yeah. yeah <laughs> obvious. Uh, and I realized along that line, I, my plan was to go to med school Um, and then I realized I was skipping class a ton to do personal training for free for people around campus. I was like, maybe I should try to make a career of this somehow. So I looked at like the average income of a personal trainer, which was terrible at the time. It was like, cool, you're going to make 30 grand a year and you have $50,000 in debt. Mm -hmm. So it didn't seem uh, very realistic to me. So I was like, all right, I think the only way for me to really make this happen is to have my own facility. And then it was, how do I make a lot of money to do that? Um, Well, I should probably learn the skill of sales and marketing. Um, I was already bartending at the time, so it was a natural transition Mm -hmm. for me to do that. Um, I worked in that role for about five years, um, kind of worked my way up in the company, um, got better and better at it, kept investing in my skills and made enough to take the plunge and go into gym ownership. So when
0: you started in sales, it was with the intention of ultimately ending up as a gym owner.
1: I wrote out my goals when I was 25. Um, I was, I said that I'm going to have my own facility by the time I'm 40 years old. Um, this is what it's going to be like. And then I just kind of got to work on it.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. Did you ever second guess yourself when you were, uh, doing well in the sales role?
1: Um, second guess, uh, as far as leaving sales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I had a really cushy gig. I was, uh, contracted by a really large wireless company to travel to underperforming markets, uh, teach their reps, how to improve their revenue by teaching them sales skills, um, teaching them to have a little bit bigger goals and kind of holding them accountable to that. So I would work for seven to 14 days, in Chicago, Charlotte, Indy, wherever, um, then I'd have two to three weeks off. So it was pretty sweet. Um, but I realized, I don't know, I wasn't waking up with purpose every day. Like, yes, I cared about my reps. Um, but I always knew like I wanted to take care of people at a higher level.
0: And when it was finally time for you to make the leap, first of all, you're not 40 yet. Correct.
1: Correct. I'm 35 years old.
0: So you, you beat your goal by what? Seven years,
1: eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Just in time for COVID.
1: Yeah. it's Perfect. I got warmed up for it. It's great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> perfect. Uh, what was that like the day that you decided like, that you were like, all right, I'm going to do this. And you, I imagine we're putting money aside. Now yeah. you're a you're in your young thirties. Yeah. You have this pile of cash that most people in the young thirties don't have. Yep. And then you're like, I'm going to put this into something that has absolutely no certainty at all.
1: Correct. Uh, you alluded to it earlier, but I'm a very, uh, very much a, I decided to do something and I do it person. And I find that just throwing myself into scenarios where I have to perform, uh, forces me to grow. So I knew that I wasn't going to, uh, if going into business ownership, I wasn't gonna be able to buy a house for a while. So when I was in my sales role, I bought a home, I got an engagement ring and went and found a, like the cheapest warehouse facility I could, so I had no idea what I was doing, uh, to, to lease, did that and saved up a year's worth of living expenses and I quit my job. So a lot of things all happening within like a three month window. Uh, and it was very much like, all right, like let's hold on to our seats and see what happens. But it was great.
0: And now you're still in that warehouse?
1: Still the same one. Yes.
0: Okay. I find that fascinating because I want to talk about it for a second because I, I hear from a lot of people, including existing clients and future clients that they, they feel like they need to get out of their, their facility and go somewhere more retail. Mm-hmm. And what I typically respond to that with is you can, but you're not selling a place. Yep. You're selling a valuable service that can happen anywhere. So the difference is just, you need to make sure that people know that you exist there. How mm-hmm. have you overcome the, we're in an inexpensive warehouse. We're not on the main drag in a retail space while providing a premium service.
1: Mm-hmm. Great question. Uh, I really look back on my time doing sales and this helped me a lot. Uh, understanding that you could have, you could buy a solution anywhere now. Like everyone sells generally the same products. Um, Same with service-based industries. So how do you differentiate yourself? So it's cliche to say uh, like we care more. So like, how do you, how do you show that to a client? Like what type of value are you giving them? So we said like, we're going to blow people's like socks off from a service standpoint. Like we were going to go so far above and beyond. And actually we were grossly undercharging when we started, mm-hmm. uh, which that's a whole nother conversation. Um or it could be this but, one too.
0: huh? Could be this one too.
1: Yeah. Um, so sorry, what was that question again? I just lost train of thought.
0: How did you overcome being in a warehouse that doesn't have exposure?
1: Yes. Um, we understood that, people weren't coming to us because they wanted a nice gym. Um, they could go to an equinox, a planet fitness, some large global gym, but generally the clients that we want, um, they weren't making it to the gym on their own for some reason. Okay. So maybe they weren't a lifelong athlete because a 24 hour gym or someone that's really well outfitted where it's go up, show up, do your own thing. Those are great for people who know what they're doing already, or they're already in the habit. And honestly, like that's not who I opened facility to help. I wanted to help people, uh, similar to my parents, um, who, you know, uh, my mom struggles with mental health. My dad struggles with weight. Um, and I just thought to myself, where would they go? Like they, there's nowhere for them. So we wanted to make a place where we could help people like that in a really intimate one-on-one scenario.
0: Have you been able to help your mom and dad? Do they come in?
1: (laughs) My dad? Yes. Okay. Uh, My dad, I I am uh, starting to do some remote stuff right now. We're just tracking step count. And getting him where he can actually move more. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. My my mom has a one-on-one coach with active life. My dad yeah. is on our active for life program, which is the free, the free workouts that we give. Yeah. away. Whenever my dad recently sent an email, Hey, thank you so much for sending me six days a week of workouts. I only <laughs> need four. So Get you me. can, you can stop sending me two of them. And, and, you know, like someone, it ended up in the group Slack channel. was like, Hey, Dr. Keith is good with only four workouts. So let's change the whole program and <laughs> only seven workouts. Like, Dad, that's not how it works. Six come every week and y- you can do all of them that's great. Or, or, or skip as many as you want. So you said you were grossly undercharging when you first opened. What were you, what were you charging?
1: Yeah. Uh, so my wife at the time uh, before we opened was working at a cross the box. Um, and we were actually looking at purchasing that. So we actually built our pricing based off of that and all their competitors, which, just to backtrack, I mean,
0: your your wife at the time, meaning the wife you have now, at correct, the time was working at a closet yes. box. Not your yes. not your Before, yeah, startup
1: facility. We were looking at purchasing that one, um, and the, the financials didn't make sense. And partly because they weren't charging enough. Which once we opened our own facility, we realized, oh my gosh, like we're gonna need to service a ton of people to make what we want to make and really live the lifestyle we want to have. Um, so we were charging 140 ahead and we were delivering full ID to oh, wow. every client that came in. So it was just us, uh, panicking every weekend, trying to get pro- programming done for all these people. Um, and it was a big learning experience for sure. So
0: for people who aren't aware what that means, every person who joined Brad and Chelsea's gym got a custom program written for them based on their needs and their desires for $140 a month. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's not going to be enough money as, as I'm sure we'll get to in a second here. The hardest thing about starting like that is Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to say we've increased the value of our service. And so we need to adjust your price point. You didn't go from a group class where they understood they're getting four minutes of your attention every time they come in Mm. and doing the best version of the workout you wrote for everybody else that day. They were already getting custom stuff. I'm sure they were already getting Mm check-ins.
1: What,
0: what are you charging now?
1: 99 a week. So now individual design. Yeah.
0: And then, and then what percent of people do you think are buying personal training on top of that?
1: Mm, I would say we're probably, 20% Twenty percent right now, and that's steadily climbing as since we've shifted to this model. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so we're talking about in excess of four hundred fifty dollars per month per member at this point.
1: Yeah, we're at. a, I just checked that this morning. We're at a 420, uh, 30 day average per a client.
0: That's awesome. How did you help people move from one hundred forty to four hundred twenty? Let's <laughs> let's start there, and then we'll talk about what what's different about the work they're doing.
1: Yeah, there was a. So there was a 2 year gap in there. Um so the first 6 months of a year we did that 140 price and we realized okay this is not going to work. Uh we worked with a marketing company uh Gym Launch who everybody mm-hmm. has probably worked with in the space at one point or another. Um and we started going to okay it's more of a group model. Um so we get customers on the front end and convert them to to group fitness. So we raised our rate to about 200 to 217 um every 4 weeks. Uh, so, we held that for about two years, and then people got accustomed to okay, small group training. So, I think that naturally created that want and need for more one on one again and more like personal training. Um, had we not done that and had that buffer in between there, going straight from 140 to 400 for the exact same service offering, or in the client's eyes, the same service mm-hmm. offering, I think that would have been a lot tougher battle for us.
0: So, did you lose clients in that middle when you went from 140 to 217?
1: Not really. No, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, that big of a deal for them, honestly. Um, and then, I mean, obviously we we filtered through a lot of clients who weren't a good fit for what we wanted to do. So our turn rate was way too high for that two years. Um, most, of and, the gyms I've ta-
0: most of the gyms I've talked to who are, who are actively in gym launch. I've, what I've found is that they're turning between 14 and 16%. Is that where, where you were?
1: Yeah, that's probably right. Okay. Um, so our turn rate was pretty high. And on our end, it was just burning us out because we're like, we're not building relationships with these people. There are a lot of people are coming in. We're not, we know they need more than what we're giving them. So they're going to phase out. It's a matter of like when they're going to fall off. Um, so it didn't feel good or fulfilling to, you know, tell people we're going to help you in all these ways, but then we're not delivering a service that's conducive to that. And it's because we felt that if we charged more, we were going to alienate our customer base. So we uh, actually, I worked with you guys two and a half years ago. Uh, that's how I found you. I uh, at night it's pretty severe. I used to do powerlifting, um, and then I've been following you guys since. And I really liked your approach as far as what you talked about on really delivering like value to like it, everything was client centric. Everything was delivering value to clients. It wasn't about how to generate revenue quickly. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, if we could really just lean into us caring like a lot about clients and actually not worrying about what it costs them, but how can we help them? And we'll, and if it's a fit pricing wise, great. Um, it's like I could really enjoy my business again. I would really enjoy helping people in that way. So, and last year, uh, you and I made contact and made that decision, and then we we flipped our model with a three months, uh, working with you guys. Flip it to what? Yeah. So everyone starts with, uh, PT, individual assessment, uh, really the minimum amount of sessions we do with someone coming in is eight. Um, we really want to get them confident and competent in a gym setting and the type of clients we work with, they actually appreciate that. Usually it's like relief that, Oh my God, thank God. Like you're not going to put them on the floor the first day.
0: Was that surprising Uh, to you?
1: Yeah, it was very interesting to me because I used to, we used to do three one on one sessions with people when they started, which not enough. And then it was all right, like let's put you in a group and hope this works. Mm-hmm. So now people are like, oh my God, like I you know, I did cross it before and they just threw me in, I hurt my shoulder, whatever it may be, or they were having trouble showing up. So we start them one on one and then we just make it clear, hey, you know, based off of your individual assessment, we're gonna give a prescription on how many sessions we think this would take if you know, small group is what you're wanting to go to. And a lot of people like to work one-on-one with us. So we just kind of like lay that framework down that it's normal to work one-on-one with a coach for long-term. It's not, you have to do group fitness and that's the only way you can achieve your goals. So we really build a solution to the individual.
0: What is the most session someone has needed on the upfront that you can remember?
1: Uh, my client, my current client, Kevin, he's 65 years old, but most (laughs) awesome guy ever. Love him. Uh, 48 sessions. How do you feel when
0: you t- like, first of all, before you told them you need 48 to start, was there a gulp?
1: Oh, on my end? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, oh shit. Like <laughs> you're going I through met, the questionnaire and you're yeah. like, oh, this is yeah. a lot. I met, uh, I actually met Kevin through another client of mine, uh, who played volleyball with him at the YMCA and I was just happened to take him up on it. Went there. Uh, Kevin came up to me after he's like, Hey, like, you know, Jared said that you do X, Y, Z. Um, I was wondering if you could meet with me cause I have nowhere to go and I'm an old man. Um, so we, uh, I, he kind of understood that it was probably going to be a little bit more pricey, but I don't think he understood it was going to be, I think that was 4,300, um, for his initial 48 pack. Um, but he saw the value. He said, it's my health. Um, his dad had a heart attack. His family has history of heart attacks. Um, he's had one already and it was important enough to him where he started. And I've had him for over a year now. He's actually stayed with personal training the entire time. We'd twice a week. It's doing great.
0: Did you have to bring up, you told me you didn't want to have a heart attack in the interview.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing that I feel I do really well with, with my consults is, um, asking questions, um, rather than about, Hey, this is how we're going to solve your problem. It's more of, you know, how does that impact you? How does that make you feel? Like what things are you missing out on? Um, by getting people to explore that a little bit more, uh, you're getting just like a deeper level of commitment from them and they're not making a decision based on, okay, does this make sense for me? Uh, they're not focused on price. They're focused on like an outcome. Mm-hmm. So I just try to frame the conversation in a way of, okay, this is where we're at. This is where you want to go. And then I'm going to put together a map that gets you there. And it's not a matter of if we get there, it's just what. So go ahead.
0: It's the difference between letting someone try something and yeah. telling someone you're going to become this.
1: Yep. Yeah. So you want to, I want to give them certainty in that session uh, when we first meet um, because a lot of people have tried so many things before and a lot of clients we work with think this is so far out of reach for them or this life that they want to have is they haven't had that for so long or felt good. Maybe even their whole life where that's a big roadblock for them. So to get them to see like, Hey, like, this is doable for you and this is what it would look like. And I'm going to do everything in my power to get you there. Um, Give them that certainty. I, I rarely have an issue with pricing now. Um, no one really bats an eye.
0: And when you finished the 48 sessions with him, yeah, what was the conversation like that led him to continuing to do personal training instead of jumping into a smaller, uh, a smaller group?
1: I have a Google doc full of all the things Kevin has told me that have, that this has improved. He can garden now all day. It's not an issue. He has a community pool that he used to not be able to get up and down on the lounge chairs without just falling into him. He can like get up and down. No problem. He can swim now without his shoulder hurting. So it wasn't even like a question for him. It was cool. Like, Hey Kev, we have five sessions left. You just want to do the same thing. Continue. Yep. So then we sat down kind of goal planning session of what he wants to accomplish next. And we're just keeping it going.
0: Does he buy packages or does he buy like a membership now that builds personal training?
1: Uh, so he was doing packages. We actually converted him to an EFT where he can just pay monthly for personal training. hmm So he gets eight sessions every four weeks.
0: How many referrals has he made, if any?
1: Uh, So he has made uh, two introductions to me.
0: Okay. So what I find most interesting about this case that you just described is first and foremost, he's 65. Mm -hmm. And I think that most of the people listening to this who are not already working with us, the 65 year old who walks into their gym is like a unicorn. That they that they were like i wasn't looking for unicorns, but cool let's put them on instagram and they can be they can be the one that we talk about so that everyone knows we can help everyone from an Olympian to this grandparent mm-hmm. uh, this guy was looking not for a place to walk into he was looking for you, yeah, which I find really interesting. I also find interesting that you met him playing volleyball, yeah, and the reason why I find that interesting is because I wonder if you didn't go play that day, if you get the opportunity to meet him.
1: Yep. I, uh, I think about that often.
0: So how has thinking about that often influenced what you do day to day?
1: It has really made me, I love talking to strangers as it is. I love talking about what I do, talking about what they do, learning about them. Um, my wife hates that at times because I will talk to anyone. Um, I have a similar so is,
0: scenario in my home.
1: Yeah, it's made me lean into that even more. Um, I say yes to a lot more opportunities and just new experiences, which has actually enriched my life even more. Um, and then I just look at it as like, I don't know, I want everyone to leave a conversation with me feeling like I somehow helped them or gave them clarity in some way. How has it enriched
0: your life even more?
1: Um, it's uh, you hear this a lot, but when, when you're going through, a stressful scenario, or any, any bit of adversity, generally, one of the things to make you feel good quickly is to help somebody else. And I get to help see, I get to help people every day. And I think that's just amazing. So when you look at things with a service first attitude, your life just like skyrockets. And I, I find that interesting. And that's been true in sales. And it's been true with the facility. Every time I focused on how can I better help rather than how can I make more money? Anytime I focused on money, uh, money got scarce. Anytime I focused on how can I help and solve really big problems for people and just care. Um, my business has just taken off and I haven't had to worry about money.
0: Have you found that to be a wild, true, difficult thing to practice?
1: Absolutely. Um, I catch myself looking at, uh, numbers too often. Um, Mm. I don't need to look at them every single morning. Um, (laughs) but, um,
0: In sales, they teach you that you do. That's, 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 that's probably a habit that comes from whoever your sales trainer was telling you like, you got to wake up in the morning, know your numbers and hit your goals.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. So that was an ingrained pattern. Um, luckily I had a really good mentor, uh, that before active life, um, Lance Cooper, he was a phenomenal sales Mm -hmm. coach. Um, but his whole thing was selling with integrity and really just a service-based mindset and I think that's really, really helped me. Um, so that's just something we really try to lean into. And like one of our, just like any of our core values, it's treat everyone like they're your grandparents. If you do that, things are probably going to turn out pretty okay for you.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you do that? What, what is an example of putting treat everyone like they're your grandparents into practice?
1: It starts the second they pull into the parking lot. So how would you greet them? So are you holding the door open for them as soon as they walk in? Um, Are you greeting them by name because you already introduced the entire staff to, hey, this person's going to be coming in today. Um, Every staff member, all three of us are going to say hi to that person on the way in. Um, We walk them upstairs during the consult. Hey, my job today is to find out where you're currently at, where you want to go. And if I can help you get there, we're going to do that. Um, So it's nothing about, Hey, this is our facility and this is everything we do. It's just asking questions about them and caring and actually listening and actively listening.
0: I want to push back on you a little bit because you said something that that leads me to believe that it actually happens before they come into the parking lot. Okay. You talk to them before they show up. Yes. The only, the only way the staff was going to know they were coming is if you'd already spoken to these people before. Yep, What's that like?
1: Yeah. So typically, if someone finds us through, uh, let's say they Google us and they reach out.
0: Are they Googling Velocity Barbell or are they Googling um, health and fitness, Fort Wayne?
1: Yep. Uh, it's usually personal training, uh, okay. Fort Wayne. Um, that's usually like the most common result that we see. The second they do that, they get a text message um, from an actual human being. If we don't get a response from that text message, we follow up again within a certain time frame, usually two hours, like, hey, just want to make sure, send them a calendar reminder. Um, generally, we get some type of pulse from them at that point. Um, we get their initial consult scheduled. Once that's scheduled, I immediately reach out to them. I send them a video message introducing myself. I read like the questionnaire that they filled out, which is only five questions long, essentially saying what they're trying to do, what their history is, um, and then like one interesting thing about them. So I'll reference that questionnaire in my video message to them. And then I introduce, Hey staff, this is who's coming in at this time. Make sure you greet them.
0: See, I think that's what people are missing. I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, I think a lot of the time gym owners, especially are cognizant enough. Anyone who's listening to this, they're cognizant enough that when someone shows up, they're going to treat them appropriately Yep. where they miss. I believe is where you just nailed having a very intentional process. Somebody goes online, looks up the services that we offer, finds us on Google inquires. They then get a questionnaire to fill out from a human. They get a human message, a human to human interaction. I've never met anyone who was like, you know, my favorite thing about your company is when I call it says, mm-hmm. please listen carefully to all of your options. And then I can pick the option that I they want to talk to a person. Once yep. I hear that, it's zero 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 until someone picks up the phone. Yep. You hit them with a real human, and then you give them a questionnaire so you can get to know them a little bit. I find that what's something unique about you question interesting. I want to ask you about that in a second. And then you send them a video message so that they know you genuinely care. You've read the thing. It wasn't just something you asked them to do as a formality. Yep. I imagine most of the people who come in, whether they tell you or not, have never experienced something like that from a service business before.
1: Yeah. Um, usually they come in and, uh, they'll reference that video. I had a client last week who texted me back immediately. She's like, this is amazing. (laughs) Um, and it's just something so easy, but it's like, why, why are we not doing that? Why is everybody not doing this? Um, I just find that very, uh, interesting that we, it's easy to fall into the trap of this as gym owners. You want to automate everything and remove the human aspect of it. And I think people inherently crave that human connection.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I've, I've been talking to people recently about a, a talk I'm going to be giving in September to a, about 100 gym owners.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And my talk is labeled, like the title of it is Marketing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the Documentation of Excellent Service. And the reason why marketing is the first word in it is because that's what people want to learn about. It's not like the whole, none of the talk is going to be about marketing tactics. It's all mm-hmm. going to be about what, what you just described. How do you provide excellent service that if somebody was standing there with a camera the whole time recording it, you would want them to put that out into the world. Yep. So I think that's great. What have you... What have you seen, if anything, change about the member who's in your gym, what they're looking for, the way that they're talking mm-hmm. to each other in the community since moving from a group model to the, the individual design, small group, and personal training?
1: I think that has been the most exciting part for us. Um, any client I've had before, um, I mean, we sit down face-to-face with every single client and we, we want it to work. We don't bring someone on as a client if we didn't feel like they were a good fit, Uh, That being said, some people uh, did not have some of the characteristics we were looking for in our ideal client. So we just weren't matching on like values. Uh, So that was a frustrating place to be. Now that we're actually selling a product and service that is in line with our values, it's attracting people that are also in line with our values. And that has made it so refreshing because now like just the environment in the gym and how people interact with one another, the level of care like, and attention they put into what they're doing now, rather than, all right, like we're all just going to get warmed up for a workout today. It's, all right, we're going to warm up. We're going to break down to individual design. You know, they're putting notes in for their coach. They're wanting to see progress. And I think on our end, it allows us to really lean into what we're good at from co- at a coaching perspective and use all those skills that you don't get to use in group fitness.
0: So, when you say people weren't aligning with your values, I, I find that interesting. I want to stay there for a second.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You said, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll guide you to it. Cause I want to hear yeah. something specific out of you. When, when, when you said, um, it was frustrating because people weren't value aligned with you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I believe to be true about most businesses is they come up with their core values. They write them on the wall. They couldn't even tell you what they are. Mm-hmm. And so they're certainly not making decisions looking at them. How did you know people who were joining and being members of your group gym were not in line with your values? It's not as if you can ask them to come in and say, okay, so we're going to give you a list of 50 values. I want you to pick your four favorite. And if they're not aligned with ours, we're going to tell you this isn't a fit. How do you know people weren't aligning with what you guys felt was important?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see one of our core values, uh, is growth mindset. Um, we truly believe that the only way to get better is being okay with failure, um, being okay with not being the best. So if we were to get a client in who is, you know, frustrated or yelling or upset because they're not hitting a PR, that's not really conducive to what we're trying to do. We don't care about, PRs is like that. We don't care about pulling four Oh five. We care about you moving well and improving your quality of life outside the facility. If your entire personality is I love the gym and the gym is my life. Um, that's not what we do. And I'm transparent with clients uh, that are coming in and looking for that, that we just don't do that and not bringing those clients on now, rather than trying to make it fit and just collect revenue. It feels so much better because I know like, Hey, these people have these things that they're trying to accomplish um, whatever it may be. And this is how we're going to get them there. So now we actually have something to focus on rather than focusing on the workouts themselves.
0: I would love your opinion on this. Cause this is how I've always thought about, uh, bringing the wrong person into the business. But when I say always, I mean, for about the last year, when I really started thinking about it, it's easy for people to say, why why not take the guy who just wants to make the gym his entire life? If he's happy to pay you and take your service and he wants to make it everything that, that it is in his life, like why not serve him? Here's how I think about it. I'm curious your take. Someone who's in the gym, who doesn't share the values of the other members of the gym, who sees the place as a place to come to do something for themselves that is different than what everybody else there is trying to do. Is akin to going to a black tie event and somebody shows up in a bathing suit. It doesn't ruin the event, mm-hmm. but it's weird. Yep. And now if you let one in, are you gonna let a second in a bathing suit in?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A third? Yep. And eventually are you really running a black tie event or are you running a come wearing whatever you want
1: event? Yep.
0: What do you think of that that visual?
1: Uh, I actually use the analogy of a car lot. And if you are selling all Mercedes Benz and then you are allowing a rusted out Kia that you take on a trade, and you're also selling that next to Mercedes Benz, you're not going to get more and more Mercedes Benz customers. You're actually going to scare those people away and you're going to bring more of the Kia customers. So it's this thing where you have to be very aggressive and deliberate with who you're bringing on and making sure they're the right fit and we are very okay with, hey, we'll just we'll gain two clients this month total, like net. And we just won't lose anybody. And we'll keep building on that. In a long enough timeline, things are going to be in a very, very strong place. And what's that look like if 30% of our clients bring a referral in this year? Mm-hmm. What does that do for your business? So we just kind of went the opposite direction and said, like, we're just going to focus so much on only bringing people on that are a perfect fit for what we do
0: what's wrong with the Kia driver?
1: No, 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 no.
0: no. I want to, I want I want to, I want to frame this up for you. Yeah. We're not talking about a Kia driver. First of all, we're talking about a rusted out Kia purchaser mm-hmm. who won't come to a Mercedes lot. And one yeah. of the things that I hear from people a lot, that's, that's a, a fair criticism unless I add context to it is some people can't buy Mercedes, Sean. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we only serving people who want to buy a Mercedes? Shouldn't, shouldn't people who have, who want Kia's also be able to come? And my answer to that, I'll share after yours, but I want to hear what, what's, what's the problem with the Kia buyer?
1: Yeah. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with the Kia buyer. They're a great Kia customer. They are not a Mercedes Benz customer. They're just two different things. And that is okay. There are different price tiers and there are different service offerings for every level of the spectrum. Um, we choose to do what we do the, in this example, the Mercedes Benz customer, because it aligns with our core values. And we know like those people are going to do well in our environment. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are the people we enjoy coaching that we have found historically over the five years. Like if we make an ideal client list, my entire client list now are people I love seeing when they walk in the gym. Like I am excited. I'm like, Oh, I love seeing Kevin here today. I'm excited that Corey's walking in right now. I don't have a client who walks in and like, oh shit, which every gym owner or coach has experienced that at some point that you bring on this client and you're like, oh God, like, here we go today. Like, let's get through it. And we don't have that. Um, but I kind of got off track, but to get back to your point, there's nothing wrong with that Kia customer. They have their, like, they're not going to be happy in that Mercedes Benz lot anyways. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not where they belong. So, you're just going to have this friction the entire time where both sides aren't really happy. And it's just this awkward tension and clients pick up on that. Uh, I think it's people underestimate that, but I mean, people are very socially aware if someone is throwing off the energy in a room. I mean, you just killed that whole session. Yep. How's that affecting your business?
0: The, the reason why I actually, uh, personally, I love car analogies because they're so easy to relate to a human uh, and yeah. everyone understands them. The reason I started thinking and, and explaining things more in terms of the apparel, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the do you want to go to the pool party or to the banquet party? Some yeah. people prefer the banquet and some people prefer the pool. And if I'm asking a pool party person to be at a banquet, they're typically the person who is a lot of fun in a different environment. And in this one, yeah. just they're not a good time. And if we go the other way around the banquet person at the pool can end up being a stick in the mud, Mm -hmm. but they're great at the banquet. And so I believe you have to decide, do you want to have a pool party or do you want to have Mm -hmm. a banquet? And there's nothing, like you said, there's nothing wrong with the person who prefers to be at the other party. We just shouldn't invite them to ours. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's, it's, it's that simple. Yep. What's it like working with your wife? (laughs) Uh, um, I mean, new wife. Uh, so, so, so feasibly. Yeah, we've been, we've been a year. Stuff.
1: We've been together six. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the first two and a half years were, uh, I want to say, challenging. But you're adopting just an entirely different lifestyle. So we went from me being on the road for two weeks and being home with a few weeks off to. Hey, we're, our gym is a mile from our house and we are there all day setting this thing up, getting it ready. Um, we come home, we were programming for the entire week and that was our life. So it was very stressful. Um, since then we've really just systemized it and it's, uh, I would say it's pretty seamless. I love working with my wife, honestly. Um, I think it's great. Like we go get coffee in the morning, had to work together. It's awesome. (laughs)
0: It's a testament to you genuinely like each other.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: And you communicate.
1: Yes. And and there are difficult conversations for sure. Uh, There are times it's, it's not fun when, you know, one of you is not performing at the level that you know, you should be, Mm -hmm. because how do you handle that when it's an employee employer relationship? It's much different versus telling my wife, like, Hey, you have to be nice to people when they come in. Um, that is a, you're walking through landmines doing that. Mm. So how do you,
0: how do you handle that? that? How do you handle that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I like to ask questions on how would you feel if, uh, things like that, um, how would you make, how would this make you feel? Have you ever walked into a building and this happened? Have you ever been, has this ever happened rather than putting like the onus on that person saying, you need to do this just trying to get people to understand. So seek to understand and they'll be understood. I think is a really good approach.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, intentional separation of where these conversations happen, when these conversations happen? I'm asking because I know that there are plenty of people who are in, in relationships that are both at home and at work. And for people who don't maybe work with their spouse or their significant other, I worked with my best friend one of my best friends for a long time and blew both our business relationship and our friendship, because neither of us understood the nuance of conversation amongst friends and conversation amongst business partners.
1: Mm -hmm. We, uh, if one of us does not want to talk about work, we simply just say, I don't want to talk about work right now. And we don't, we stop talking about work for that time because it's very important to foster your actual relationship um, and keep that healthy. That's the most important thing to me is, you know, my relationship with my wife. And if that means like, all right, we're taking a step back. We'll talk about business during business hours, or we will go to a designated place, a coffee shop and talk about work. Um, that helps, uh, us kind of put boundaries on things, but honestly, we love talking about work, uh, especially this last, six, 12 months, it's been really exciting on how can we make things better? Like what would get clients better results? Mm-hmm. And that's usually how our conversation starts. Like how can we serve at a higher level? And that's actually fun to think about because then you're just creating.
0: I think a really cool thing about your relationship with Chelsea, and I've only seen it online, is <laughs> it's it's clear to me from a distance that you're a guy who both reveres his wife mm-hmm. And will protect his wife.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and, and that's not for the women listening. That is not to suggest that Chelsea needs Brad's protection. Okay? <laughs> no. what, what, what it means is I find it really endearing when men have the vulnerability to say, this is my wife and she's awesome and she's beautiful and I'm privileged to be married to her and simultaneously be masculine enough to say, and I'll fucking defend her until the end if need be. Yeah. I think that's cool. And I just wanted to share that with you publicly.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate that.
0: You're welcome. One of the things I think that you do extremely well is your copywriting. So if people were to ask me, what's the number one business skill that I can learn right now
1: mm-hmm.
0: that will make me more money in in the fastest order of magnitude,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I would tell them, learn to write. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: Because I believe learning to write will teach you to speak as well. And I believe the ultimate two, two skill sets are sales and leadership, Mm -hmm. but learning sales and learning leadership, I think are harder than learning to write, which is a foundational tool of sales and leadership. Yeah. Where did you learn to write copy the way that you do?
1: I have always been a bookworm and I, always enjoyed writing growing up. I was a huge nerd. Um, and then as I got older, I realized, especially in fitness, the more I leaned into just my authentic self and who I really am, the more attracted the right type of people. So I think a big part of being an effective copywriter is being confident with who you are and being okay with that and not trying to be something that you're not.
0: Why is that? Um, Why is that?
1: because you are one going to attract the wrong people to, you're not going to feel like you're being honest when you're writing these things, you're going to feel like you're doing a job. When I'm writing a piece of copy, I'm literally just going off the cuff. I'm saying exactly my thoughts, exactly my views, um, and like what I believe in and people have a snapshot of who they would be working with. And that for me has been great because it's really attracted a lot of like some of my favorite clients, um, a large portion of who we gain as clients are actually from our individual, like personal social medias. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What I think was really valuable there is it's easy now
1: mm-hmm.
0: because you, the more you read, the better you're going to write. I believe that. And the more you write, the better you're going to write. And the more that you can write in your own voice, the less energy and time you need to put into making sure this sounds like the version of you, you want it to sound like mm-hmm. this is me. Yeah. You, they, I hope you like it. Yep. That's it. You do it really well. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you welcome. Do you have friends who own gyms that are local to you or maybe distant to you? And you look at the way that they're doing things and you're like, ah, I want to help you, but you're not ready to be helped. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Because one of the things that I find I've talked to, um, other pro path gym owners about on a frequent basis is that's a great Hold on. Let me pull the back up. So Chelsea just walked through the room. She wrote a note to Brad that says, I love you. You're doing great. Love your wife. Hashtag upgrade. <laughs> what, what does the upgrade mean?
1: Uh, uh, it's a personal philosophy we've had about our life lately. It's okay. like doing bigger things.
0: I like it. So, One of the things I talk to gym owners who we work with all the time about is they're like, I have a friend out over here who's just like, not like he's not going to raise his rates. He's not going to change his services. He's just stuck, but he complains about it. And I want to be friends with the guy. How do you handle situations like that? When people who you know are trying to do similar things to what you're trying to do, they're struggling to do it. They're not in the market for coaching or support, but they want to complain about it. What, how do you handle having relationships like that?
1: Uh I don't. Um I uh I realize um so I'm a I'm a very much a natural caretaker. I'm very empathetic. Um but I'm empathetic when people are okay with taking some form of responsibility. Um complaining about the state we've all had friends like this. They're in a relationship that's terrible for years and years and years. And they're always complaining about their relationship. They're never doing anything about their relationship, no matter what you tell them. It's probably at a certain point you have to realize like, all right, I just have to accept this person as they are and not give my mental power to giving advice. That's going to fall in deaf ears or from a coaching perspective, which we've all done. Everyone has had a family member where they're like, I want you to write me a workout or I want you to write me a program. And you do, and they don't do it. Um, so I realized I'm here to help people who are ready, uh, willing and able to be helped.
0: So do you have those people in your life?
1: Very few of them. I can't think of any offhand and that's, uh, I've really cultivated healthy relationships, uh, over the last three, three years or so intentionally. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I, it's interesting how gym ownership works, but you find these friends and pockets across the country who are going through the similar things as you and they relate, they just get it. Um, it's such a, a niche down thing to own a gym. So you make these friends and you see what they're doing. And, you know, I align myself with people who, um, Value wise, uh, believe in what I believe, and it makes it so easy. Uh, that's a big reason why we went with uh, Active Life, and decided to work with you guys. I love like your values that you bring to the table; they align with ours. Um, the gym owner friends that I have, like they align with our values. Uh, the person doing our re-brand, rebrand, Metcon Creative, they align with our values. So we've acquired this like network and team of people who are all on the same page, and that feels very powerful
0: it's It's great because you get to be the circumstantially the nicest house on the block and circumstantially the not nicest house on the block. The mm-hmm. way I like to think about that is I have friends who are smarter than me. I have friends who are definitely friends who are better looking than me. I have friends who make more money than me. I have friends who are better athletes than me, and I have friends who have less of all of those things than I do. You mm-hmm. know I get the opportunity to learn from the ones in the circumstance where they are better. And I get the opportunity to support the ones who in that circumstance are less. And one of the things I've actually struggled with, I swung too far. I went from like, I'll be friends with anybody and everybody. And I'm Mm -hmm. available to anybody and everybody at any given time to, I'm only going to be, in your circle, if you can help me become a better person Mm -hmm. to through, through some of the help of one of my friends, Michael Cashew, he was like, just allow people to be in your life for what, for what they do well. They don't have to be complete. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it was, it was really good advice.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent.
0: So you've mentioned values a few times. What, what are your values?
1: Yeah. Um, growth mindset, uh, authentic self is a massive one. Um, being true to like exactly who you are, um, radical honesty, which is, uh, being truthful, um, regardless of hurting feelings. Uh, It's not saying to be offensive or abrasive by design, but being honest, uh, it makes everything so much easier in your life mm-hmm. and it removes so much mental baggage.
0: My wife will ask me, how do I look in this dress? Oh yeah. Radical honesty to me is not as good as you look in the other one. Mm-hmm. Not heavy around the hips, right yep. they They could exactly. be the same answer. Yeah. But, but she, she doesn't need to hear it that way because it's not reflective of how I believe she looks or is Yep. it's just being a dick. Yes. But if I just say great babe and then she goes out and looks at pictures and she says, this dress makes me look heavy and I'm not heavy. Why'd you let me, why'd you let me wear it? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to make you feel bad. It's like, well, I feel like shit now. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. I li- I'm all for the, the the radical honesty. I like that one.
1: Yeah. Uh, You you mentioned a great point right there about uh, like how you're delivering that feedback. I think uh, especially in a digital age that we're in now where sensationalist things and being very bombastic draws views and attention. uh, It's skewed it so far to how blunt and how offensive can you be? Mm -hmm. And people naturally don't like that. They'll click it. They'll look at it. But empathy goes a long way in understanding like, man, like, how would I want someone to talk to me or how would I you know, deliver this to my six year old nephew? Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't say like, you're a piece of shit and get better. Yeah. <laughs> not the most helpful thing. So and I think that's one thing that clients, uh, clients will come in a lot of times and say like, I just need someone who is on me and tells me like what to do and tells me if I'm like not holding up my end and get on my ass. And I usually just ask them like, how has that historically worked out for you? Um, when people are negative and mean to you, does it make you want to see them more? Does it make you want to engage with them more? Probably not. You're probably gonna start dreading, you know, checking in. You're probably gonna start dreading your one-on-ones. So we try to be a source of empathy with people and it tends to work out.
0: I think that's great. The reason I wanted to have you on is specifically because I want more clients like you and Chelsea. And I wanted people to be able to listen to this episode Mm -hmm. hear the the quality of people who we have the privilege of working with at active life on a day-to-day basis. The thing I I love about uh, all of our clients is it's a want, not need. You don't need us. Mm -hmm. It's you, you believe that we enrich your business ownership experience and it's worth more than what you pay for it. The minute that it's not, Mm -hmm. you won't pay it anymore. Um, I like that. I like having to consistently figure out how we can deliver more to keep great gym owners who don't need us, but still want us. And I believe that having you on the show affords people the opportunity to hear the caliber of people who we get to work with and Mm -hmm. to decide. Everyone wants to believe that they're great at what they're doing. And everybody is at a different phase on the continuum of being great at any given time. But I believe that after listening to a podcast like this, a gym owner can ask themselves, honestly, am I ready to be in conversations with people like Brad on a regular basis? Because that's what happens when they come into our sphere. And mm-hmm. so I just want to thank you again for coming on, representing yourself so well, and for being a model of the kind of people who we like to work with.
1: Thank you. I, uh, I greatly appreciate that. Uh, it goes both ways. Um, it feels very good and fulfilling to be working with people like yourself who are taking the industry where in my opinion, it should be going. Um, I think it's something so unique and so special and it's something that we always wanted, but we didn't realize, we didn't know how to quantify it or how to quite state what we wanted. And then we found you guys and we're like, this is it. This is exactly who we want to be with.
0: Well, I appreciate that. It's, it's hard. It's scary. It's simple and it's
1: worth it. Absolutely.
0: Brad McKee, where can they find you?
1: You can find me at Velocity Barbell or on Instagram at Coach Bradley McKee.
0: Beautiful. Thanks for coming on, Brad.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Sean.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Line Podcast. Remember, if you feel inspired by our vision, To humanize the healthcare industry, professionalize the fitness industry, and empower individuals to live their lives, to reclaim their physical freedom, to develop careers, helping people reclaim their physical freedom. All you need to do is head to activelifeprofessional.com, find the appropriate link that represents you, and get in contact. We'll see you there.